So, welcome everybody to episode 9 of the White Shark Interest Group podcast. We are Facebook's largest White Shark specific group, currently clocking in at just short of 48,000 members. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member of the group, please head over to Facebook and search the White Shark Interest Group. You will be asked a question when you join about why you want to join the group. And if it's because you've heard this podcast, please give us a shout out on there and say, I heard the podcast and I want to join the group and get involved. Our motto is to educate, conserve and protect. And you will find tons of debate, discussion, videos, pictures, articles, everything you can find about our beloved white sharks. Now for this episode, we've got something very, very unique for you. Melissa Michelson, one of our admins, has for a long time been following a group called the Bike Club. Now, the Bike Club is a support group which is set up for survivors of shark attacks and shark bites and also for victims' families when a tragedy has occurred and an incident has occurred. And it was set up and founded by a gentleman called Dave Pearson. And Dave is going to be joining Melissa today to talk about exactly what is the Bike Club and also another one of his uh, groups called Beyond the Bite, which he'll explain, which is again is a support group for families of victims or survivors of shark attacks and shark bites. One of the main reasons why Melissa wanted to talk to Dave is we've had a recent spate on the group and everywhere on social media that when a shark incident happens, a shark attack, a shark incident, whether that's an investigatory bite or whether that's a fatal incident, we see comments popping up online about how that person should have reacted, how that incident could have been avoided, all manner of comments. And sometimes they get very personal and very judgmental and some of them are just downright wrong. So Melissa wanted to talk to Dave today, being a sort of seasoned professional, if you like, now on supporting uh, shark attack survivors and families of, of shark attack victims, about what those comments mean to people who have been involved in such things. The usual comments of, well, they shouldn't have been in the water, it's the shark's home, it belongs to them, right down to ridiculous things like tagging shark lives matter. So Dave has agreed to speak to Melissa today and really share some insights on how families or survivors themselves see those comments and what it means and how social media etiquette really could do with the review when it comes to shark incidents and shark attacks. Dave is a really inspiring individual. He talks very openly about not only his incident, but also the aftermath and the trauma that can can go with that, not only for the survivor, but for the families and for others around the situation, you know, health professionals and paramedics and so on. So we are absolutely honoured to have Dave spend some time with us today. So without further ado, I'd like to hand over to Melissa. Thank you very much for that introduction, Ricardo. Today, I have the honour of introducing Dave Pearson, shark attack victim and founder of The Bite Club. Hi, Dave. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. What spurred this was, one, there's been a few tragic incidents in Australia this season. Two, I'd like to discuss how people react to these incidents on social media. But first, I'd like to focus on the Bike Club, how it came about, and the work that your organization does to help victims and their family members of negative shark incidents. Just to start, um, I don't use the word victim very often. Um, I, I use the word victim when somebody's 
lost their life. And, and unfortunately, we've had five deaths in Australia so far this year. Yes. I like to use the term survivor. We're, we're all shark attack survivors. And I think the word projects strength. Uh, I embrace the word survivor. I, I am a survivor of many things in life. It's what I tag myself as. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of some nasty things. And I, and I want to spread that word to everyone. And I, and I want to try and help other people get through their experiences so they're survivors as well. And you actually, you have a wonderful program. What spurred you to create this organization? After my shark attack, I was sort of, I was lucky and unlucky at the same time. I, I remember a week prior to my shark attack, I was down in the mid-north, uh, the mid-Newcastle area of, of Australia, which is sort of a couple of hours north of Sydney. And I was working for the day down here and I saw the Westpac helicopter fly overhead. Now, usually when we see that helicopter, it, it's been a bad car accident or a shark attack or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I listened to the radio and, and the radio, as just after the helicopter flew over, the radio was saying there's been a shark attack and there's a young girl on her way to hospital who's not well which is sort of pretty typical of the media. They, they like to hype it up straight away. Mm -hmm. Was I to know that the following week, exactly one week later, I would be laying in the same hospital as that girl was. Wow. And no, she wasn't good. She um, she actually died, I think, three times on the way to hospital. Oh, and it, it was a tough time. But um, being in hospital together was a, was a great thing. And the one experience that we had together was when I finally got all of the tubes and the stuff disconnected from me and I was allowed to move around the hospital which unfortunately it was the day they kicked me out she was in a different room than I was and I called up and I said look can I come and see you and she gave the nurses the okay and as soon as we started talking especially about our attacks it was very familiar to talk to someone who had the experience was so similar in the way we talked about it was so similar there was something in that that I that I walked away from the hospital with. And and we kept contact ever since then. In the very few months straight afterwards, we were um, phoning each other three or four times a week saying, you know, this is what's happening to me. Is it happening to you? It was really nice to have that person to throw ideas off and, and backwards and forwards. And I remember her asking me one day why I was dealing with it. She thought much better than I was. And I said to her, even though this is a bad experience to go through, it's not the worst experience that's ever happened to me. I said, you know, I'd, I'd had a daughter that had died. Both my father and brother were injured quite severely in, in automobile accidents. So I was sort of used to dealing with trauma. Mm -hmm. Trauma with me on myself was much better than me having to deal with trauma on someone in my family. Every opportunity I had after that, I would try and get in touch with a shark attack survivor. So if somebody wanted to do a news story, like a newspaper story, and I would put my hand up and say, yeah, have a chat with me. But as long as you can put me in touch with everyone else you talk to. Yeah. What I started to find, it's, it's sort of you go through a period after your shark attack. Number one is when you're alive, you, you know, you're euphoric about that to start off with. 15 minutes of fame, you're all over the newspapers, you're all over the internet. And it's sort of a bit of a, a bit of a buzz for you that, you know, you, everyone wants to talk about you. But then as the months go on and everybody sort, sort of drifts away, you've had your 15 minutes of fame and everybody's gone and you're left to deal with everything else yourself. And that's when it really starts to get to people. And it was getting to me too. And I remember vividly waking up, I was nodding off in the lounge chair full of painkillers and opiates trying to you know numb the pain in my body my dog barked and it was the middle of the day but I'd been I was just nodding off and I woke up screaming and I heard myself screaming and um, my partner said you know you do that a lot and I said what do you mean she said you wake up in the middle of the night screaming quite a lot and I said wow I need to see someone about this and um, yeah and it was 
other shark attack survivors, when I found them, I found that they were dealing with very similar, you know, very similar situations and um, they had nobody to talk to. So that's how Bite Club started off. It's quite a wonderful organization. A lot of people do not realize what it's like to be at the receiving end of a powerful animal's draw. My son and I witnessed my husband being attacked by a dog. And although it all happened within seconds, it had a lasting effect on all of us in the household. Every time I closed my eyes at night, I kept envisioning my husband getting attacked and his wounds afterwards. It's not just the victims that are affected in this. Um, I was watching one of your talks and I heard you say that on average, you're finding about 20 people are affected after these incidents. It was something I really hadn't given great thought to. And that was the first responders, the lifeguards, the family members, the friends. And uh, you also offer support for them too, from what I understand. Yes, that's right. Un unfortunately, we have lost some members of the of the medical profession due to having to deal with a shark attack survivor. It's really sad. The, the stress becomes so bad on them. And, the, and I guess it's trauma transfer from dealing with it that takes them away from not being able to do their job anymore. And that's, to me, that's really sad because they've done such a wonderful job, but then they can't do it anymore. See, it's sort of, um, Bike Club sort of grown has, since we started it, um, originally it was just meant for shark attack survivors. Mm -hmm. Then we found that other people I was running into or had heard about us, got in touch with us and said, look, I can't find any other group in the world that deals with you know, what I've been through, do, would you mind if I, you know, hopped in with you guys? And so we've got um, a hippopotamus attack in our group. We've got a couple of lion attack survivors, crocodiles, as you would see in Australia, we, we do a few crocodile attacks. Yes. We've got a number of dog attack survivors that you're talking there about. And, and honestly, I, I've had long discussions with a couple of people who've been attacked by dogs and they are horrific attacks and and when somebody's attack goes for four hours you know where they have to lay there and play dead while a, a dog chews their arm off so that the dog will leave and not kill them yeah you just cannot understand i i could not i can't imagine it. no and um when people like that reach out how can you not accept them into your group a lovely lady who was was also a dog attack who's Unfortunately, since passed with, um, she, she developed cancer, but like her story and, and it was just horrific and she felt some sort of peace within, within us when she met us and, and could tell her story without any judgment. I think that's, that's what you get. And I think that's the good thing about Bike Club because we're a safe haven away from all of the social media stuff. And, and it's, it's very difficult to get into Bike Club, unfortunately, because originally we, we opened the Bike Club up to everybody that was interested in what we were doing. But unfortunately, we also attracted everybody who was interested in what they were doing mm -hmm. and wanted to tell us that it was more important than what we were doing. So for want of a better word, I had to cull members out of our group that didn't really belong there and start again. So we went from, you know, like I think... 17 members up to nearly 400 members in a very short time mm -hmm. and then we went back to about 20 members and started all over again and, and unfortunately and fortunately we're up to around about 330 I think was my last count so we're getting back up there again but I, I just know that everybody in our group has the right reason for being within our group and that they are the people you're talking about they're the family who don't know how to deal with that the husband who doesn't want to talk to them anymore and mm -hmm. 
know, they are the mothers and the fathers of children who've gone. And, um, you know, it is very, it's very difficult for, for us to talk about your triumphs when you know that somebody's watching who doesn't get to see that. Yeah. I've sat down with, with people who've lost someone and um, told them all about my shark attack because they want to know. They want to know if there was any pain. They want to know what was going through my mind. So it's very hard when you have to sit down and do that, but it's also very rewarding. It's a hard thing to describe and it's it takes its toll emotionally on you as well. And physically. Physically and mentally. Yeah, it's I've just unfortunately come out of a very bad period in my life. Um, the last month has been not a good month for myself. Um, this year was the 30th anniversary of my daughter passing. Aww. And it just seems that as I get older, the milestone ages are the ones that really get me. And, and all my other issues come back then, and, and especially the PTS from my shark attack comes back. And, and I often say it's not the worst thing that's happened to me, but it seems to be the one that gets me. Yeah. You know, it's not, I don't regard my shark attack as one of the top three or four things that's happened to me in my life, one of the bad things, but it seems to be the one that's triggered everything else at the same time. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it can be difficult, but, you know, I don't mind putting myself through that if I'm making somebody else's life mm-hmm. just that little bit better or that they can understand and they can start to to heal and, and move forward. I, I noticed, you know, social media can be a great place and it's it's obviously a great place for Bike Club to be able to get together and it gives you guys a private outlet to discuss what you guys are going through. But I've also noticed that social media is also a rough place for victims of animal incidents. and it seems like there's a lot of victim blaming that goes on when these incidents do hit the press and they do get shared in social media. I can only imagine that has an extremely negative effect when their family members or friends or schoolmates see some of the comments that we see on social media. I can only imagine that this actually chases victims away from getting involved with learning more about sharks or advocacy or anything in that nature. As with anything in life, there's people who are empathetic to what's happened. Then there's those who just want to make their own point. Whether they're trying to be mean or not, it sometimes comes across like that. Yeah. After every attack on social media, there's a post, you know, like the Mm -hmm. Queensland police put out a post that a guy got killed while he was spearfishing on Fraser Island. Yes. And because of what I do, I spend time on them posts. So what, what I'm actually doing on them posts is I'm looking for the person who makes a comment that tells me that they're either involved with this person, mm-hmm. they're a family member, or they're a past shark attack survivor. And I've discovered many shark attack survivors who one guy was attacked in um, 1964. I just recently got in touch with him. So he's our oldest shark attack survivor. Before that, I had a member who was attacked in 1955. Wow. The one beauty, beauty about that is... You know, I go on there and I find these people and, and I, I message them and I say, look, from your post, it sounds like you're a shark attack survivor. We run this group. If you're interested, would you like to um, see what we do? Would you like to talk to me? And that's how I do it. While I'm doing that, I unfortunately get to read a lot of the other stuff on there. And, and everybody has a right to their own opinions. Of course. But sometimes I just have to shake my head. You know, you just think, wow, is this person got no empathy at all. And yeah. I, I encountered this straight after my own attack. And and like my, my partner said, some of my mates 
that I used to work with were worried and they'd heard news stories that I'd lost an arm and a leg. The media gets it wrong. They don't seem to care about a story, but they just, they don't care about the facts. They just want to be the first to get a story out. My mates were trying to get in touch with me. They were emailing, you know, my partner and apparently they emailed me. So she brought my laptop down. So uh, this was two days after my, my attack. So I've got my laptop. I opened it up and I started answering the emails and I, and I got two important lessons that day. The first one being one of my mates I used to work with. I, st- I went to the beginning of the emails and I started reading them and it was, you know, have you heard about PSO? And another one said, no, what's happened? And he said, he's been attacked by a shark. You know, there was the comments were going backwards and forward. And then one of the last comments was, I've just heard he's all right. Is it too early to start making jokes? Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's typical of my mates. Good sense of humor is going to get you through a lot. A good sense of humor can be very healing. Yes, that's right. The second lesson I learned, which was a lot harder to put it in one sentence, is that people can be proper assholes and they're not worthy of wasting your time on Exactly. Because I'd been answering the emails, I looked at social media and I started seeing some news stories popping up about me. I went, wow, cool, you know, and then I'm reading some of the comments. To me, it started off a little bit amusing, you know, like it was amusing that I was in the media and I was they were making all this big deal about me. And the big deal was because a week prior to myself, um, Lisa was attacked. So it was, you know, panic stations on the east coast of Australia because we've just had two attacks in a week. I started reading the comments and the comments started to, to get a little bit nasty towards me. And so I started answering them and going, you know, first one was, what did this guy expect surfing in the dark? And the story came from, it took three hours of, to work on me on the beach before they could actually lift me off. So it happened at 5.30 p.m. So it was 8.30 before I even left the beach. So, of course, it was dark by then. Yeah. So I just, you know, I typed back, you know, this is me here that you're talking about. Um, it wasn't dark. It was only 5.30 when I was attacked. And the comments come back, no, it wasn't. I've seen the news stories. You were surfing in the dark. And like, As if you don't know. Yeah. But, so then it become like I'm, I'm trying to defend myself. Yeah. And then someone else puts a comment in, you know, oh, you just want all the sharks killed now because one's attacked you. And I go, no, I don't. I've never even considered sharks in my life, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to sharks. And if, if they leave me alone, I'm going to leave them alone. So, no, you don't. You want to kill them all. And I'm going, mate, yeah. <laughs> like this is me. I'm trying to tell you the truth. But some guy said, you know, like, man, I wish you died. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. So that was the one that did it for me. And I, and I saw that and I just, I just went, you know, F the lot of you. And I slammed my computer down. I went, that's it. But it wasn't it. It just, it, that ate away at me for days. I, I just tried to explain myself. And I, and I sat there and I, and I thought, why am I trying to defend myself to people who have already made up their minds? Don't get into this argument. It took me a while to learn that. Mm-hmm. I, I see it every shark attack that comes on. I, I see this on social media. And one particular occasion that really does hurt me. And there was a grandmother on there. Her son had been attacked. He lost a leg. He was in hospital. He was in a coma. And all of them comments are coming out. And his grandma is trying to say, you know, look, please don't wish him, don't wish him badly because he's in hospital struggling to say, you know, to, to stay alive. Yeah. And it was exactly the same. And I'm going, guys, this is a grandmother talking about her grandson. Yeah. Hey guys, if this was someone you loved, how would you accept people talking to you like this? And I got in touch with her and I said, look, put your computer down, turn your phone off, yeah. just ignore it all. And let me tell you what's what is going to happen to you now? Mm-hmm. As I said, a couple of days ago, there was a, an attack and a young boy lost his life. A week prior to that, there was a, an attack where a spear fisherman lost his life. And I went through exactly the same thing again. But what I do, you know, I, I try to ignore all of them bad comments and I just put down, hey guys, just please remember, you know, there's a family suffering here. There's, you know, there's a 
a wife yes. grieving, there's two children without a father, please consider, you know, when you're posting this, that the family members will read this or can read this. Exactly. That's how I try to diffuse a lot of it now. But it's, it is difficult. And, and like I say, everybody's got a right to their opinion, but there's a time and a place. Yeah. Exactly. There is a time and a place. We have the rest of our lives to defend these animals and so on and so forth, but we do not need to defend them to victims. Take up your arguments with the governments and go and fight policy or go about it in that area. I personally find the victim blaming uh, disgusting. Nobody wants to blame a girl who got raped. Exactly. We know it's not correct to say that. Every person should be able to walk the streets at night on their own and feel safe. And and that's how I would love the world to be. But I know it's not like that. Exactly. You never blame anybody like that. Please. No. As I said, I've learned a lot since since my attack about how to deal with social media and how to deal with life in general as well. Like mm-hmm. um, I think you, you said one of the questions was, what is it like to be, you know, a survivor? And, and I'll tell you, being a survivor is awesome. Yeah. I get to wake up every day and I'm alive. Honestly, it's awesome that I survived one of the greatest fears for an ocean user. Yeah. Most importantly, I received a better perspective on life. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like nearly dying to make you appreciate being alive. Yes. I've met a lot of animal attack survivors, cancer survivors, people who've been in car accidents, people who've been nearly killed by other humans. And high majority of those people will get a new approach to life. And it's like a no nonsense, no drama of, approach it's it's like a gift you get you get a new gift of life from being dead yeah and and honestly it's a shame you can't teach people this you have to earn it and you have to earn it in the hardest way and I talk a lot about this because honestly it's it astounded me how soon I realized that um being dead and accepting death freed me from the things that were probably bothering me so much in my life. Yes. There's one stage, you know, after my attack when I really, it took me a while to realize what had actually happened to me. And I, um, I said to the guys I was with, look, guys, the shark is still here because it was swimming underneath. Well, I didn't say it nice and calmly like that, obviously, but of course, you know, I just, I told them to get out. Um, it said, it's still here. Get, get out of the water. I'll get myself out. I'll be all right. I started to make my way to the beach, but, um, unfortunately it was right when a, you know, a five wave set come in and I got the first one I thought I was going to paddle onto and catch to the beach. And I just, I had that feeling beauty. I'm out of here. Uh, and it turned from that to the wave picking me up and driving me down to the sand. I remember coming back up and getting hit by the next wave. And by then all the adrenaline was starting to wear off. And I had no strength either. So the next wave just kept rolling me under the water. And it was when I was realizing that the stars were there, I was I was out of air and my next breath was going to pour water in and I was about to die. And it was really surreal to be in that, that mind frame that I calmed down because I knew I was just about to die. And I thought, wow, next breath, I'm gone. And I, I went, you know what? I've had a pretty good life. It's not the way I wanted to go, but I was sort of okay with dying and I wasn't scared of death. And then suddenly, you know, my parents, uh, you know, then they weren't as old as they are now. My kids were still young and I just went, you know, not today, Dave. And I remember 
saying it to myself, you know, you're not going to die today. And just felt the sand under my feet and, and kicked as hard as I could and, and come up. And I remember that breath of air like it was, you know, like it was happening right now. And it was like, wow, I've made it. And I was back on and I, I climbed back on my surfboard and I could hear behind me my, my mate Noddy and he said, come on, Dave, I'm going to get you out. I remember him saying later on that I did actually reply him. I can't remember replying to him, but he said, you sounded like you were about to die. He said, you sound like you were about 90 year old and you had nothing left. And I said, when you got to me, mate, I had nothing left. Instead of getting out like I told him to, he um he decided that um you know, he was going to come over and, and render me some assistance. And he'd actually call one of the other guys over to help as well. Like I'm forever grateful for that. Oh, of course. For that. I'm not sure what the outcome would have been. Now, I remember laying on the picnic table and they threw me on a picnic table and, and tried to stem the, the bleeding. And um, I, I remember watching the sunset later on that night and I went, you know, this this hasn't been a bad night to die, guys, in case I don't make it. Um, I'd like to thank you all for getting me this far. And by then, my daughter had made it to the beach and had my partner. My partner, she was there as well. You know, you've allowed me to say goodbye to everyone. And I said, so if I don't make it, please don't feel bad. You've you've done such a great job. Because um, I knew by then, because my heart rate was at, at around about 240 beats a minute. So it was going into, I think they call it tachycardia, where you've got yes. no blood left. You lost more than 50 percent so it's um it's not good the paramedics got there and they they squeezed two bags of blood replacement into me very quickly and i I remember that because i I remember the sensation of from going from being cold to being really really cold because you know the temperature of that was not my body temperature and my whole body was flooded with this you know whatever it was um basically salt water i call it Mm -hmm. um but yeah so i said can we go and then the um, paramedic she said to me no you're staying here and I said but I feel okay and she said she said you're not okay and um, she said we've got a long way to go yet before you're moving and it was sort of that moment that I realized that um I could have been correct and, and I wasn't gonna make it and um even though I everybody was there it was still I talked to her afterwards I went and um thanked her when I got out of hospital and she said like even up until the helicopter arriving, you were touch and go as to make it. And I said, wow, I never thought I was actually quite that bad. And she said, you were, she said. So that has sort of changed my my outlook and, um, and yeah. I'm thankful for it. Yeah. And I'm thankful that they were there with you because I'm grateful that you're here today. Thank you very much. You really do offer a lot of support to some great survivors out there. You're a huge advocate for donating blood. I see you all the time on Facebook with your appointments, getting your blood donations in. Yeah. You guys try to work really hard getting these um, survivors back into the water again. I notice that's a, a really big deal to you guys. I don't think people realize that um, a lot of these victims are huge ocean advocates. They love the ocean. They grew up in the ocean. Their ocean is a way of life for them. I think people forget how involved with the ocean or how much of the ocean plays a role in a lot of these survivors' lives. That's one of the other things I applaud you for is is getting people back on their board, getting people back in the water. It seems like you guys kind of do it as a team. Yeah, and, and we do because exactly what you're saying. And I remember saying the first time, I remember the first time I said it and I said, the ocean is the place where I've always taken my problems to sort it out. And I'm struggling because the ocean is now a source of one of those problems that I can't sort out. Yeah. So I had nowhere to go. So it was it was a struggle for me that way that I couldn't go in the ocean. And, and I went, wow, this is sad that I can't go in the ocean. 
and I, and I was not worried that I wouldn't find something else to do with my time. But the ocean has been, you know, the biggest part of my life for as long as I can remember. The day my daughter died, I, I sat in the surf on my own, you know, like days like that were sort of taken away from me and it was um i can't go in the ocean anymore and it was just like wow dave you've got to be able to do this and and i see that i've just had a conversation tonight with a with a girl whose um brother was taken a number of years ago and she just said i just can't go in the ocean anymore and and i said well one day you and i will go in together i I took us like a a grandmother who hadn't been in the ocean since her shark attack and i got her on a, a bodyboard and we went surfing and it was just like you know, she got out of the water and she was beaming and it was like, she said, I know now how much I've missed all of this. And I said, yeah, I said, so anytime you want, just give me a buzz and I'll be there and we'll do that. And yeah, sharing someone's first experience back in the, in the water is, you know, to me, that's special as well. And when I catch up with survivors, I will try and surf where they were attacked with them to say, look, it's, um, I understand why you were here because most of the places we all get attacked at are our favorite surf spots. Of course. And, and you don't want to miss it. You don't want to let it go. And, and it is difficult. It is, it is such a struggle in life to do that. But, you know, as you said before, we, we, we in our group, we're all ocean users, you know. Yeah. We all want a healthy ocean. We, we all want a clean ocean. And we're as much trying to understand why we're attacked as other people are, are trying to understand or, or defend that it was our fault we were attacked. And you go, man, we just want to know why, if we can, you know, let's, Let's move on from this argument and let's try and find a, a something that works. And if, unfortunately, what works is that we have to accept people getting killed, that's going to be a difficult one. It's a hard pill to swallow, especially it is, when yeah. it's a yeah. 15-year-old boy um, yeah. who has his whole life ahead of him. Some of the comments I've seen have just been terrible. This is a child. When my children yes. went out and rode their bikes. Of course, we went over the rules of safety when you're riding your bike and, you know, how to avoid cars and stop before you cry, you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, shit happens sometimes. It does, yeah. And we'd, we would never blame a child that gets hit by a car. That wouldn't be normal behavior. But for some reason on social media, people seem to think and project all of their anger towards these victims. Sometimes I wonder if it has to do with the headlines on the articles that are written. Like you said, they like to make them very sensational. I think people need to remember a lot of times that these victims are in a hospital bed when these articles are being written. And I love sharks, you know, but the feeling is not mutual. Like I said before, it's a whole different story when you're actually at the receiving end of a powerful animal's mouth. It's not a good feeling. I think people need to be a little more empathetic. They are rare incidents. They are considered rare incidents. But when they do happen, I feel like we should be there supporting these victims versus shutting them out. I think it's through education and understanding that we can all work together to try to find a happy medium in this. And there is a time and place for things. Like I said, if you're upset with um, how a government agency is deciding to handle an incident, you need to take it up with that agency. I watch people try to figure out why the, oh, the it was mistaken identity. It was this, it was that. We spend too much time trying to figure out what the animal was thinking at the time of the incident. And that's the thing. They're animals. They're unpredictable and things are going to happen. And sometimes they're not going to be pretty. And I think that's something we have to accept. 
as shark advocates. There's the good, there's the bad, and there's the ugly. I want people to realize that you do see these comments and they do have an effect on the victims, on the family members, on the first responders. You know, until you've walked in their shoes, you have no idea what it's like. That's, that's, a, big, that's a pretty big deal to me. It's quite embarrassing sometimes as an advocate to see some of the behavior that I've witnessed on social media towards victims. Just what you were saying, like about, um, you know, how can people who are advocates for sharks better support victims or how can anybody better support a shark attack survivor or, or the, a victim's family? And, and my, my answer to that would be to become a victim, like become a shark attack survivor. And, and I don't mean go out and get attacked. I mean, just put yourself in the shoes. And you just touched on that a minute ago. And so imagine a situation where you have no control. You know that you... You are no match for the opposition. And in this case, it's a shark. You have got nothing. You're in the shark's environment. You have not got any tools at all to fight them off with. And then you realize that you've only got seconds left in your life. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been through. At one stage, you know, as I said, I realized I was going to, to drown. It was only the strength of my family that made me come through it. Yeah. So for people to try and understand that, they've got to put themselves in a situation where you are at the very end of your imagine if you're about to die right now what would you think of what would you like to say to those that you love you know what would you like to say to anybody else and it wouldn't be um i, I know the shark's just a mistaken identity and it doesn't mean to kill me that's not what you're thinking about you're thinking i want to live i want my family so if, if somebody wants to you know if somebody gets the opportunity to speak with a shark attack survivor so try not to tell them that they were just unlucky and that the shark only attacked them because it was mistaken identity and because really nobody knows this and to a person who's been attacked it feels like people are trying to trivial trivialize their experience and it really does hurt and it's insulting yes um i've talked with probably a hundred shark attack survivors and in my opinion and this is only my opinion when a shark keeps coming back multiple times we can't use the mistaken identity because when it's bitten a surfboard it knows it's not its usual food. But when it keeps coming back and it bites and it bites and it bites to the stage where it actually consumes the person whole, it is not mistaken identity. It found something that it can eat. And and people say sharks don't like the taste of humans. Well, when a shark comes back three or four times and takes three or four bites and actually consumes a person whole, then the taste wasn't that bad. Yes. You know, I can't eat lemons. And after the first bite of a lemon, that's it. I'm not going back for a second. They're not discriminating. I think people need to realize a lot of these animals are migratory. Yeah. So when they come, when, when they basically find a food source or something that may appear to be a food source, they're going in on it. And that's what they're going in to do. They're going in to consume a meal. When you realize that you're now part of the food chain, and I, you know, when you realize that you're getting eaten alive here, you are not the top dog like we like. We all humans like to think we are. When you realize you are part of the food chain, that is when your mind frame really changes. When you survive that, you go, wow, I am not indestructible. Remember that when you're speaking with someone who's been through that, you know, like, and, um, you know, people are better off asking someone, you know, how are they doing? How are they feeling? You know, how, you know, ask them, do they want to talk? Do they, 
And if they do, you know, listen to them. Don't, don't interrupt them as they're talking about. If they're going to tell you about their shark attack, and especially if they're going to tell you the really bad stuff, there's a lot of trust involved there. Yeah. So don't push for any of the gory details for anyone. Like I, I soon realized that some people, they were getting off on what they were hearing. And I'm going, hang on, this guy's getting some sort of pleasure out of me telling him about how bad an experience I've just had. My story got changed depending on the reactions of the people I was talking to. And, mm-hmm. you know, people got the quick 15 second story. Yeah, I was bitten. Mates did a great job. I'm fine now. Thank you very much. You know, others that I trust got the whole story. Don't push them for the details. Don't ask them to try and remember something because they do remember it. They're not comfortable in either saying it. As you would understand, when I talk about it, I mean, this is nine and a half years after my shark attack. I talk about that evening and I start crying again. Like, it is so emotional for me. So, you know, I'm comfortable with this. I've been doing it for years. But imagine someone who's not comfortable and not used to it. You can put their post-traumatic stress way over the you know, way over the, the level of being comfortable and going to the stage of committing suicide. And, and I've witnessed that and you go, holy shit, you know, people just don't understand what they're doing. You obviously have a great partner who made you aware of the fact that you were exhibiting signs of PTSD in your sleep and you did seek help and that's great and everything, but not everybody has a partner next to them to help advise them or support them through what they're going through. And that's something that the Bike Club offers. That's what we're here for. Yes. I would advise anybody who's a family member, first responder, victim themselves, um, who's been affected by any type of animal incident, negative animal incident, to reach out to Bike Club. Spread the word. Uh, They are there for you. And um, this is a great support group. I've actually followed you guys for many years now. I'm not in the Bike Club because, of course, I'm not a victim of an incident. But I do know, I've seen through the years, um, we have members like Scott, who's here on the East Coast, in the yeah. United States and they do great things. And, and anytime I've ever reached out to a bike club member and a- had a question or asked if, if you could reach out to a victim, like I had with Scott in the past, I asked him to reach out to a young victim here in the United States. There are cases that you come across and, and you definitely, you try to find some type of support or assistance for these victims because really they are kind of alone in this because they are rare incidents. It's a very tough place to be in as a survivor. That's really why I applaud your group and I applaud you for finding the strength to one, survive, and two, to be such a supportive rock. Um, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I also, I wanted to touch on Beyond the Bite and ask you what type of work is Beyond the Bite in the process of? Beyond the Bite was... Um, it, it was kicked off because I remember there was an attack in Western Australia and the guy was from here where I work in Newcastle, which is the, about as far away from where the attack was as possible. His family had to get over there. He wasn't in a good way. The, the good news is he survived. He's got one of the most awesome scars you could have. <laughs> He's a, one of the winners hand down when it comes to that. But um, the story's unbelievable. But when the family had to get over there and I went, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could just get in touch with the family and say, or we could get a deal with someone and go, just get over there. We'll take care of the cost. Yes. And and that was the original intention behind starting Beyond the Bite was just to try and get some funds and, and throw some money together to go, if this happens and we get in touch with them, we can just tell the family, 
not to worry about the cost. We'll cover that for the first week or so or something. You just to help out. I think my my family because I was I ended up in hospital down here at Newcastle, which is um, just two hours away from where I live. We racked up um, motel bills and stuff like that of over four thousand dollars in a week, and you went, wow, that was just so expensive to just try and get you know everybody to see me. And, and plus cover all them costs. So that that was the, the basis of starting Beyond the Bite. But we went a little bit further than that. And um, we were really fortunate because we got to speak with the Premier of New South Wales at the time. And it was at the time where there was a lot of attacks happening up on the um, north coast at Ballina, Byron Bay area. And I'd been trying to get in touch with him for a while. And I, I do remember my email to his, um, his personal aid and, and the comment was, the newspapers have asked me to talk about what's happening. Um, I've been trying to get in touch with the Premier for six weeks now. You keep pushing me away. Do I say we've got the Premier's support or do I say the Premier's too busy to talk to me? And within within 10 minutes, I had a phone call back and a, a meeting with the Premier. And I, I took three other shark attack survivors with me. And, and what, what we took down was a delegation of us who was – starting off who wanted to help me start off the charity and we had um, a recent shark attack survivor who was only a few months after his shark attack i had one who was attacked in 1988 and i had a father who'd lost his son we sat down with the premier and we we told him our story and what we wanted to do and you know try and figure out how to get a charity running how to get some money organized what i actually said to him was and, and i think this was sort of resonant i said i know there's a number of deaths that are acceptable you have to deal with facts and i said and i know there's a number there somewhere and you're going to say you're not going to tell me but i know there's going to be a number of if we only have three deaths this year and we only have seven attacks then that's acceptable and we don't need to do anything I said, but what I would like you to consider is what do you do when you exceed what that number is, whatever that number is going to be, what mm -hmm. is what is going to happen? And if you haven't got a number, can you please set a number? And what we would like is to have a seat at the table when you make a decision. And all we want to do is we'll tell you how it feels like to be the father who's lost his son and, you know, the guy who's just been attacked and nearly lost his business. And so we had a great meeting with the Premier and we actually met him two more times in um, in a short succession after that. And he became a great advocate for what we were doing. And as I said to him, look, I'm not going to tell you how to deal with sharks. I said, you've got shark attacks as well, you've got, mm -hmm. you know, you've got professionals for that. But I can tell you what it's doing to the town. And I said, I talk to the people and I can tell you what it's doing to the economy of the town. And what the feeling is in the town and i said no action is one of the worst things you can do i said if you can get if you get crucified for taking the wrong action at least you did something and i said and if the wrong action does or doesn't work at least you can learn from that i said but doing nothing is not good enough after that third meeting we got a phone call and it, and it was his um you know personal aid again he said by the way premier is really happy with what you're doing and your outlook he wants to throw you some money out of his discretionary fund so you can get your charity up and running to help people out. And and that to us was like, it was the shot in the arm that we needed to get going. So that's why the charity started. But what we've actually used that money for is to improve lives of shark attack survivors who have been struggling since then. And we, we had an event where we brought a man down from far north Queensland who lost his leg above the knee in an attack. And then we also brought a guy up from South Australia who had a similar attack. They both died a number of times. I think one was kept alive by his friends for 45 minutes. He had no heartbeat. They just kept CPR up. 
Wow. So he had an above an above leg amputation and he was back at work and he was running his own business and he was trying to learn how to surf again. And the other guy was just a few months after his attack. And when I met him, he was sitting there staring into space. He was a, a fighter. He was a, a boilermaker welder. And he was just wondering what is going to happen with the rest of my life. I'm going to really struggle to do what I've always done. The weekend we spent together, I think we got about 13 or 14 shark attack survivors together. We sat around, we all discussed, you know, some of our experiences and some of the great things that have happened since our shark attacks. And, and I think that's the beauty of getting a group together because we talk about, you know, yeah, sure, we've all had an attack and, and you can tell me your attack story, but I've got one of them too. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, you know, how great my life's been since that and, and some of the things that I've seen happen. And, you know, I've met this guy who's also got no leg and he's climbing in the roofs of houses and he's fixing stuff with a hammer. You know, like he is he's inspiring. Let's Let's talk to him for a while. And we all talk about that. And I remember this guy, like he went from being staring out in space on the Saturday morning to you couldn't wipe the smile off his face on Monday morning. You, you could slap him all day and it, you just couldn't get rid of it. And it was like the light had switched on and his life has just gone from where he didn't know his future's going to be to being one of the most inspirational guys you could meet. And you go, man. And I remember ringing up all the guys afterwards and go, does, does anybody have any questions about what we're doing here, guys? I said, because... You know, if any of us have any apprehension about what we're doing, just think about this weekend. And it was, it was like, wow, how much good have we done? Mm-hmm. What we did is that not as a reward, but um, the the guy from South Australia was trying to get back into surfing, and and through a, another meeting, I was invited to with um, disabled surfers and the Australian Adaptive Surfing Association. I encouraged him to join an annual competition where all the disabled surfers from all over Australia get together. And I said, yes, I know it's expensive. I said, but we will cover the cost for you. And so we covered his costs and he went there with, you know, 50 other amputee surfers and and other disabilities that they had. There was about a dozen of us. We all paid our own way and we went as well. And honestly, one of the young guys who is like a son to me now, we were out in the surf and we were surfing with Chris who lost his leg. And he said, he said, Dave, I'm feeling really guilty here. And I said, why is that? And he, he said, because here's me with hardly a scratch and look at him surfing with one leg missing. And he said, I'm never going to complain again. I said, yeah, you are. I said, you are going to complain because you are, you've got your own injuries to deal with. I said, mm-hmm. but what you're taking away from here is called inspiration, mate. And I said, and your life is going to be better for hanging out with him. And um, they're the sort of things that nobody can put, you know, a dollar value on, but we see it happening and, and I go away and, Yes, I do have hard times, but we have an event like that and you go, wow, you know, yeah. how great are people just helping each other? And um, I'm trying to put together with um, Beyond the Bite now. So that's sort of what we're about is we're about improving everybody's life by improving one person at a time. And everybody else comes along for the ride and gets their inspiration from that. Advocates need to realize by advocating for victims and supporting them that we are actually helping sharks in the long run. We've got advocates in our group as well, but um, because of some of the stuff that happens, they're, they're closet advocates. They're too scared to come out because, you know, they're, they're in like 
you know, they're in this two worlds as whereas I want to support them, but I know what they really think about me. And you go, you've got the perfect advocate here, but you've chased them away. And and you, and you do. I mean, I think that this is another area that a lot of advocates or people who want to support shark conservation are ignorant to is that there are some incredible shark advocates out there that became shark advocates after their incident with the animal. Um, And and when we attack these victims on social media, in my view, we're actually shutting them out from discussion. And if we could just be a little more empathetic to what they have just experienced and try to hear each other out and create an open dialogue, you're basically opening up the area for both of us to kind of learn a lesson in this. I think that open dialogue is really important. And I think it's exceptionally important that advocates get involved with supporting these survivors. It, it's part of what comes with being an advocate for this animal. Like I said, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Passion's a great thing, but people need to sometimes stem their passion. And um, like if you've got somebody, and, and I'll, I'll speak about myself, is if somebody starts preaching at me and telling me what I'm doing is wrong and I'm going to dig my heels in harder. Yep. So if they're telling me that, you know, me, I, I let, I'll, I'll go back to a story that happened very early on. And um, like I said, I would speak to anyone at the time, you know, in the first couple of years. And I still do. I speak to anybody who wants to talk to me. And I, I spoke to a young guy who was not long out of university, a marine biologist who was doing his study and he wanted to talk to some shark attack survivors. And, and I said, yep, come on up to my place and, you know, I'll take you down where I was attacked and we'll have a chat. And, and we were talking and he, and he said, he said to me, you need to be a shark attack advocate. And I said, why is that? He said, because you were attacked. And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm an advocate for the people who have been attacked. I said, that's where my, my passion and my loyalties lie. I said, because not everybody who's been attacked feels the same way as everybody else. And he, get, and he got quite irate and he got quite angry at me because I didn't want to join his gang, basically. And he was, he was so angry, his face went red. And he told me, and I'll put it in his words, because he was quite angry. And he said, he said you're an idiot. He said you're more likely to be killed by a fucking coconut than you are a shark. By then, I would, I'd let my my temper was going mad by then. And I I got hold of him by the shoulders and I just, I, I tried to be as calm as I could. And I said, look, I'm 49 year old. I said, I have never, ever in my life seen a coconut tree. Yeah. I said, but in the last, in the last 12 months, I've had 12 shark encounters. I said, don't try and preach to me what you're trying to tell me here. I said, because I'll tell you, I have got more chance of being killed by a shark where I live and and the life that I lead than ever by a coconut. And that's the coconut one is the one that sticks with me because I I went and did some research of how many people actually get killed by coconuts. And it's all just, it's a, it's a load of crap. Nobody really gets killed by coconuts. I think there was one person on an Island got killed somewhere and the Island's full of coconut trees. So, um, well, here we go. Here we go back again to a time and a place. It, yeah, it really right. is that really the time to start discussing statistics with a that's survivor right. you know like statistics mean absolutely nothing to me you can tell me i've got a 1.1 into 1 million chance of being attacked by a shark right so i've beat them odds right the statistic means nothing to me at all because i am that statistic so 
it is, you know, it's a statistic doesn't do anything except try and someone's trying to lessen my experience with the number. And I was one, you know, I'm the one. So um, the number means nothing to me anymore. So yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing, you know, like, and, and that's what we do as a group. We get together, we, we laugh about some of them experiences and it's really good. It lets, lets it off and you go, Hey, how about this guy? And, you know, like we talked about the certain, you know, member of, of a group that, that was quite, um, got quite aggressive with one of our other members. And he said, Hey Dave, check this guy out, will you? And, um, and we all like, we all have our joke about that as well. But unfortunately what it does is that whole group gets labeled the same. Exactly. We've had experience with a number of groups and some of the things like, you know, there was a young boy killed in Western Australia and his, his mate was with him and his mate, actually the shark came and turned on him as well. So we had a, a shark that was about to take, it already killed one guy and was going for the other one. Now, the young guy who's at, you know, at 17 year old shot it with his spear gun as it was coming at him. And we don't know, nobody really knows, but the shark disappeared. So maybe he killed it. Maybe not. He received death threats. Like, could you imagine that, that a young guy did something out of the fear for his own life only to receive death threats from a certain group that was operating in Western Australia at the time. It's deplorable behavior. That same group, the leader of that same group turned up at the memorial for the other kid and got with the parents and got some photos taken and put them on their website saying, you know, we are supporting them. They never talked to the parents, never did anything. They just ran up, got a photo, took it and, and hid away. And, and to me, to do that at, at a son's memorial is like, that is one of the most disgusting things ever. And the same group did another thing, and that is they started a fundraiser in the name of a guy who was in hospital at the time who was suffering from a shark attack. And it was not known whether he would survive or not, but they started a fundraiser and the fundraiser was in his name to raise money for their group. We found out about it and the parents of the guy found out about it, took legal action to get them to release the money to the family. Said, so you started this in his name, you're going to have to give them the money. Yeah. And that, that certain group, which, you know. I remember uh, a few yeah. years back when the call was going on uh, when yep. everybody was, and it was a big hoopla. And I remember from the one organization, the young lady from Sea Shepherd, who literally um, photoshopped a photo of a shark bite scar on her torso area. Yes, I remember that. And, you know, talk about victimizing victims. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it, it. why would anybody make something like that up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, so I have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in advocacy yeah. too. Yeah, I, I've, honestly, it's, it's, in every, it's in every group. Like in, there's good and bad in everything in life. And it's like like I said before, if only we could all just, and me, me including, if we could all just see things clearly without our own, you know, bias on things and our mm -hmm. you know, our own experiences, which uh, which is what controls our own bias to it. If we could only see things rationally, the world would be like, we wouldn't have any issues in the world, but um, yeah, we, if we could just put our feet in other people's shoes and just yes. try to yes. walk their walk, um, you know, just, I'm always saying we all have to learn to be more open-minded, um, yeah. to the other side. I've, I've met with, you know, shark advocates. I, I tried to meet with, um, the leader of Sea Shepherd, but he kept avoiding me because I, I knew what they'd done mm -hmm. and he knew I knew what they'd done. 
Um, I've met with, you know, uh, shark scientists. I, I On a recent trip to Reunion Island, I, I got to spend time with a, a young girl who was studying, not originally, but she ended up studying the, um, the electrical receptors in a shark's nose. And what the work she was doing was actually helping with shark deterrence. And so I spent a, a week with her and, and another two or three other shark scientists. And it, and it was awesome. And, you know, last year I got to meet with a great guy in, in Victoria called Kent Stannard who runs Tag for Life. And, you know, we're, everyone is passionate about what they do. And whether you agree with them or not, doesn't mean you can't discuss it with them. And when you, when we can sit down and have a cup of coffee or a beer together and we can sit down and we can have a adult rational discussion about why we are the way we are, then the empathy can start and the understanding and we can wear the other person's shoes for a couple of days and you go, you know, he's a really nice guy. I, I don't agree with everything he's doing, but he's a really nice guy and he's offering, you know, me the information he's got and I'm offering him, you know, my information and, and you go, it's, this is what we need, people just collaborating and sharing. Yes, and I have to say, Kent Standard, awesome guy. Um, if you haven't checked out his program for group members, um, check it out. It's called Tag for Life. They do some awesome work. They do some great work supporting researchers. They also advocate for the animals. They support victims. Um, Kent is an all-around awesome, ocean-loving guy. I can't say enough good about Kent Standard. And, and a surfer as well. So, yeah. Yes. There is another group that I've been supposedly getting involved with. Um, unfortunately, I've just, like, as I said, my last month hasn't been good, but and I've been really busy the last three weeks. It's I've been meaning to ring up one of the guys who runs the shark cage diving off the coast of South Australia. Um, shark cage diving is something that I personally don't believe in. I, I think... If you're teasing an animal up to a cage mm -hmm. full of people, you're teaching it a behavior that um, is not natural to that shark. It's natural to for a shark to, you know, chase at things that smell like food. Yep. And if you start doing that to people, um, I, I think, you know, you're teaching that shark that, yeah, there's, there's food around and there's people in black wetsuits, um, you know, the shark might start figuring out. If, I mean, you throw a handful of um, seed out this morning and you'll have a couple of birds. Yep. Um, they start coming back every day and you start feeding them every day. You're going to have a, a big issue on your hand because the birds have gone and destroyed your car with poop. So, you know. Yeah. I think there's a lot of denial in shark advocacy about conditioning of animals. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, people want that experience to watch a shark run at them. And I can tell you it's not good. I've had that experience. You yeah. don't want that experience. I've, I've, had, I've sat on my surfboard and watched one swim under and rub my feet on the way through. I've, I've seen them in their natural habitat with, with no aggression at all. Yep. And I tell you what, as beautiful as it is, it's still an experience that I don't want again. Like I've had one come straight at me in a wave. I, I've got out of the surf you know a few years ago after a, an encounter where a bull shark followed me as i as i tried to move away it came at me and it, it was big yeah it was coming at me head on it was like a 44 barrel drum and i caught the wave i got out of the, the water um I, I threw my surfboard in the in the bushes and i just sat down on the beach and cried when i, I realized at that moment that that was it for me that me and the ocean were through it, it had been like four four encounters in about six weeks and none of them were very good, as in, you know, one rubbing against my feet and yeah. one split me and a mate like come right between the two of us and not interested in us at all, but the encounters were that close that, you know, I went, wow, I can't, I just couldn't do it anymore. And when you lose that, it's just like, um, 
it's one of the toughest things, you know. So yeah, um, I threw my board in the bush and I said I sat down and I'm sitting on the beach and and my partner and my son who I'd been surfing with they didn't know what had happened, but obviously it dawned on them that something had happened and and my son come down and and they put their arms around me and nobody had to say anything because they knew something had happened and and my son just said he said come on dad and he picked up my surfboard and he walked over and he said we'll go up the beach we're gonna go for another surf so as as dumb as that sounds it was the only thing that probably kept me back in the ocean because we we walked 50 meters up the beach because i mean a shark's not going to travel 50 meters is it so of course um we paddled back out and we had a few more waves and it was not comfortable at all, but I understand what he was trying to do. And mm-hmm. for him to do that after, you know, we were talking about support before and for him to do that after I'd just been through that and you went, man, you know, like it must've been tough for him to think about there's a big shark out there somewhere that, you know, dad's just shit his pants over. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to take dad back out because that's what he would have done for me when I was a kid. You know, so to me, they're the sort of things that resonate in my mind. I've got, experiences like that ever all over the place that have just have kept me going through the years same as with the shark diving you know like I've been I've been overseas um diving and, and snorkeling and seen many sharks in their natural habitat and if you if you want to see a shark do that see it and hide yourself away amongst the rocks so it can't see you and watch it go past and I think that's a brilliant way to see a shark now, unfortunately you have a a shark attack survivor who from where he was attacked can literally see the Neptune Islands where the cage diving happens. So, you know, for me, th- I've got that passion, you know, to me, no matter what someone says, I'm going to, I'm, it's going to take a lot if anybody wants to change my mind that shark cage diving is a good thing. Um, but, you know, that's my opinion. And if somebody else, and, and I've got people in the group that go, yeah, I've been shark cage diving. I want to do it again. And I go, well, you know, you know, I don't agree with it, but if it's, if it helps you and you need to do it, then, you know, because some of some of our survivors do it to try and to look fear in the face again. And mm-hmm. I don't have to. I surf. I get to see it all the time. Yeah, so like, uh, I could totally understand that. And I truly hope that listeners are, yeah. you know, taking your opinion from where it comes from. I mean, you yeah, had and, and this comes, incident. You're seeing things in yeah. a different light than a lot of us see from the view of Shark Week or photography or that isn't always a reality yeah you know but that sounds actually like a good discussion for the future on the shark cage diving because there are a lot of differing opinions on uh shark cage diving the effects not just on humans but on the animals too and that would be a really great future discussion unfortunately as well because of i guess who i now am and and i'm no different than what i used to be pre-shark attack mm-hmm. but honestly um pre-shark attack yeah I, I know the sharks out there i'd had a couple of encounters with sharks as you know i'd seen them swimming past when i was surfing and stuff like that never give them shark a second of thought now when I, as soon as i go in the ocean um i think we touched on this before is you know what what's it like to be to lose that trust in the ocean and um it it, it hurts it's emotional and, and mentally painful for me when i go surfing sometimes it, it, it can have me as as i just said it can have me crying and and just break down it's you know the doctors tell me it's my post-traumatic stress and you know it can get me any time i guess i describe it it's a feeling of loss you know i've lost yeah. a part of what i once loved and you know most days are fine but others others are not so but you know i can be having the best yeah. surf laughing with the guys in the water and then you know, something happens and it, it doesn't even have to be anything. Like it, it could be a splash. It could be just a cloud going over and I get a shadow. 
it could be everybody else catching a wave and I'm sitting there by myself for, you know, a, a 30 seconds or a minute. It's like as soon as that happens, as soon as, especially when I'm on my own, the fear takes over and, and the fear is real. And I, I have to talk myself through it sometimes. And I'm sitting out in the ocean and I'm, I'm sort of not freaking out, but I really am. And I'm going, wow, my heart rate's up, you, you know. I know there's nothing here or I, I'm hoping there's nothing here. And if I can calm myself down, I do. But, um, you know, if I can't calm myself down, I just have to get out of the water. And, and you go, wow, that's, you know, that would never have happened 10 years ago. Oh, we, You know, I would have seen a shark 10 years ago and went, well, it seems to have gone away. So is it really an issue? No, you know, like, but um, now it's a whole different thing. You know, I had, I remember I had like um, six encounters in the first year after my attack. And like some were funny, some were a bit tough, like the ones I said, you know, like when I got out and threw my board or, you know, the, the, the big one that brushed my feet, that was really difficult. I, I, I went to custard in the water. But we've, there's been some funny ones as well. I, I remember, you know, not long after I started surfing again, we went up the coast a bit because the surf was really good. And four of my mates and, and my partner, we piled in my van and we, we cruised up the coast a bit and we're out in the surf and we were jumping in off the rocks and we were surfing to the beach and then you were walking back round. So you sort of never got to see the guys you were surfing with because you're all over the place. As I was about to jump off the rocks, there was a guy beside me, didn't know him, and I said, oh, here you go, mate. He said, all right. So we're paddling out and this big set starts to pitch up and, um, you know, th this white was a white pointer. It come in through the waves. It, it was big. It was probably eight to ten foot and it was chasing something because it was, it was flying through the waves. And the guy beside me, this is like my third surf back after being my being attacked but he starts freaking out and i went man it's all right and i put my hand on, i put my good hand on him i said man it's all right <laughs> and i held my other arm up because it was still in the cast at the time i was surfing with my arm in a cast because i had no, <laughs> my wrist wasn't working i said mate they don't hurt too much and and i just sort of laughed and he went he said he said, nah, what's that? He, I said, oh, I got attacked about, you know, seven weeks ago. And he goes, you're shitting me, mate. And I said, no. And he goes, and he calmed down too. He said, here's me freaking out. And he said, you're all cool about it. And I said, yeah, it's your freaking out that's cooled me down. I said, normally it'd be me screaming. But, um, you know. So you were I, more we, concerned for him. Yeah. So we paddled out the back together and we had a, you know, a little bit of a chat about what had happened to me. And my partner, she was on the beach with the camera taking photos. And two guys had walked up to her and they said, oh, you know, where you're from? And she said, oh, I'm down Crowdy Head. And they said, oh, wasn't a guy attacked there recently? And, and just just as he said that, you know, I took off on a wave. And um, she said, oh, yeah, that's that's the guy right there. She said, it's my partner. And it was like I got out of the surf and these two guys come up to me and they give me a big hug and they go, man, it's so good to see you back. You know, I didn't know these guys, but it was, you know, the, the guys I went up with, we all ended up standing around having a couple of beers afterwards. And it was it was a real funny thing for a, you know, the shark encounter that I had in the water meant nothing to me. Um, just meeting people was, you know, great. And just, you know, I told them a bit of what had happened and, you know, how great life was going. And you just go, wow, we've used that one tool that I've had to make, you know, some new friends. And whenever I go up there and I run into these same guys, it's just like, well, you're a local now, Dave. You can come surfing with us whenever you want. So it's a real funny thing like that, you know. And I've, I've had other ones where I've sat in the, the spot where I've, you know, where I was attacked and I remember there was one Christmas day and it was just me and my son and another family down the beach and the, the guy broke his surfboard in half and the waves were really good and I said look mate you want to borrow one of my boards and um we're going back out surfing you can come with us and we were just sitting out there between waves and he said oh wasn't there a guy attacked here not long ago and I said yeah I said that was me I said and it was about right where you're sitting now and his, his face just the color drained away and uh, we had a good laugh about that but not 
30 seconds later, a, a shark come up, cut between the both of us. I like went straight up, surface, went between the both of us and went back in. And I went, see, they're always around here, aren't they, buddy? Like it was a really funny situation. So I have them ones and then I have the other ones that go the total opposite way. But, yeah, you want to see a shark, yeah. get out in the ocean and, and love the ocean, you'll find them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would like to thank you for this chat today. It was very eye-opening and I really hope that it helps other advocates um, think before they comment. I also basically want to put the shout out to Bite Club and Beyond the Bite. Um, when this podcast comes out, we'll put some information up for how um, people can get in touch with you. Yep. Um, if people would like to help donate. Our webpage has a link as well. Our webpage, which is beyondthebite.org. We have a, it has a link to donate money if people want to donate funds to us. And, and that, and I, I tell you now that money goes to specific events. It, none of it gets used for anything else. Um, most of the money that comes from the events comes straight out of my pocket. I, I don't earn a lot of money, but I, I don't struggle for money either. And a couple of others in our group don't struggle for money. And um, when we have an event, it's always the same one or two guys that are shouting everybody dinner. So yes none of us take advantage of we are a charity as well and but none of us take any money out of that charity for anything other than if we want to help somebody out it, it all goes to them because we don't have a lot of money and most of it's put in by ourselves anyway so um yeah so any anybody wants to donate 10 bucks 20 bucks it will change someone's life and I, i'll tell you it, i've seen it happen and you just go you know make the world a better place one person at a time i think i've heard that many times and you go you know you make one person's life better and you see thousands of people, you know, follow that person and they get inspired by them and you go, wow, we, we are changing the world one person at a time. It does happen. And yeah, it's, it, it is awesome to be part of. Um, I won't say it's the best thing that's ever happened to me being attacked by a shark, but it's, um, there has been a lot worse things that's happened to me. And, and I've certainly got a lot out of it by meeting so many inspiring people. And you're also quite an inspiring individual, Mr. Pearson. I have to say, um, like I said, I followed you guys for many years now. I've seen the support that you provide to other survivors, families of victims, and uh, you get you guys definitely walk the walk. You know, it's a wonderful organization, and I wish more people knew about it and more people supported it. One of the guys, one of the fatal parents in our group, calls us a love group. He said, this group's not about sharks, it's about love. And I said, it is about love. It's about caring for each other. And I said, that's, that's why we don't we don't get involved in sharks very often in our group. Sharks brought us together. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want sharks to take us apart. So, I noticed a lot of people hashtagging shark lives matter in yeah. under a lot of these. And I have to say today, Human lives matters, they and that's do, yeah. and what we're just—that's what we're discussing. That's right. Um, I remember saying it to one one person who found me, and I, I said, "Look, literally, I can do a search, and I can find you a thousand shark groups in ten minutes." I said, "But I can only find you one group that cares about humans affected by the sharks." And I said, "So that's why we are who we are." And when I started this, I, I remember a conversation in a restaurant I had with my partner. I'd copped a hiding on social media for a, a comment that I made. I got into a, I guess, a fight. Um, it was one of one of our advocate groups 
not um, not a shark advocate group, but a, an advocate group for the ocean. I, I guess Sea Shepherd are a shark group at some stage, but um, they were discussing shark nets and that a young boy on um, Port Stephens, which is near where I, I live here during the week, had been killed by a shark net. And, and I knew that wasn't true. And because I called them out on it, um, I just was literally crucified for apparently because I said, no, he wasn't killed by a shark. And then he was actually caught in a, a fishing rope that was that was left in the ocean. I was now an advocate for shark netting. And it was just like everybody went. And I, I sat in a restaurant having lunch. And it was around about the time of a, an anniversary of my daughter's passing too. And so I wasn't in a good mood to start off with. And I, I was sitting in a restaurant. We were having a discussion. And, and I had tears rolling down my face. I, I didn't think I was that upset. And I said, I don't even know why I'm still doing this. And, and my partner said to me, she said, because when you were looking, there was nobody. She said, but now you, now there is someone. So that's what spurred me on. That sort of comment was that I, I remembered then why, why we started the group up. And I've learned, as I said, I've learned a lot on about myself and about the social media world and, and about people in general. And, and it's hard not to get upset from a, a bad comment, but it is the person's comment from their own feeling. And, and when I can come to terms with that and try and just ignore the comment and try and find the reason behind the comment, then we can all move on together. It doesn't always go that easy as I'm saying it, but it, um, it, it is really, you know, as you said before, we're, we're all a product of our own experiences and our own demographic. You'll, you'll see someone who, who lives, you know, a thousand kilometers from the ocean and goes to the beach one weekend a year for Christmas. And they're going to tell you about it's your fault because the sharks are in the ocean. They, they don't have no love for the ocean as in it's not a part of them in the way of it is a part of other people. And I'm not just saying it's a part of my life because I'm a surfer. It's part of everybody who loves the ocean and loves the, the marine environment and the species that are in the ocean. Anybody who loves that has a genuine interest in the ocean and we all want to defend it. It plays a big role in all of our lives. And it is. It's very hard to have somebody who maybe has never even step foot in the ocean, turn around and tell you how it is. <laughs> when, especially with your experiences. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think like you said, like you reiterated what I said earlier, we're all products of our environment and yeah. our experiences. And I think people just need to sometimes listen versus react. I really appreciate you giving this time to us. Um, this is a very sensitive subject. Yes, sharks' lives matter, but today we're talking about human lives. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I wish I could teach people how to get that perspective on life um, when you've had to, you've had no control over it. And, and it's, I, I guess it's similar to someone nearly dying in a car accident. It's, um, yes. I've had many conversations with returned veterans and, you know, they've got no control over what happens. And I always start with, I have, I am never going to pretend to understand what you guys go through. Have that empathy yeah. or that open mind to the actions that they had to take. Yeah. The message I'm hoping to leave the group with today is to think before you react. Traumatic incidents like these have a lasting mental and physical effect, not only to the survivors and the victims, but family, friends, first responders, and medical personnel as well. Let's do our best as advocates to help support those affected through supportive dialogue versus re-victimization. I'd like to thank you too, Melissa, for the time and, and for, you know, taking an interest in, in what's happening in this side of the, the world, as in, you know, the, the survivor side and the 
it can be a difficult life, but it's an awesome life being a shark attack survivor. I'd like to thank Dave again for sharing his personal story today with the group. Now a quick word from Ricardo before we call it a wrap. Thank you all again for listening. Wow, Melissa, that so much insight. Unbelievable. Dave, I would just like to thank you, Dave, for spending the time and sharing your experiences with us today. And for members of the group, really, I would encourage you to at least go and check out and find out what, what Dave's group, The Bike Club, and the support group Beyond the Bite are all about. And really, really, really consider a donation, if you can, to the Beyond the Bite organization. It really does sound like they are massively helping people through what must be a very, very, very difficult and traumatic time. So I think the work that Dave's doing there and the work Dave's describing is absolutely phenomenal. And we as shark advocates have a responsibility to be empathetic to people in this situation. And like Melissa said, the real take home from there, I believe, is to just try and understand what that person or their family and loved ones are going through at that time. Before jumping to the keyboard and typing the comments that we see all the time, please do think about that and take that away. And really do consider if you do have any spare money in your pocket, if you want to make a contribution to Beyond the Bite, we'll have all the links where you see this uh, podcast, whether that's on Facebook in the group or whether that's on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, so on. We'll have all the links to Dave's organisations there. So please do consider those and think before you type is the message. So that's all we have time for today. If you are not a member of the White Shark Interest Group, please head over to Facebook and just search the White Shark Interest Group. We are Facebook's largest White Shark specific group. We have two sister groups, the Shark Shack and the White Shark Advocacy Group also. Please do consider joining those. If you are already a member and you didn't know, you can also find us on YouTube. That might be where you're listening to this podcast now. Just search White Shark Interest group on youtube we also have our instagram page which is white shark underscore interest group and you can find us at white shark interest group.com and if i've not said white shark interest group enough times i'll say it one more time head over to facebook and search the white shark interest group so thanks once again to melissa and dave for that conversation today it's super insightful and a lot to learn and absorb from that so until next time we'll see you on the next episode